by a different, much older name. A name perhaps you'd hoped you'd never hear again. Hello, everyone out there listening to this podcast. I'm Dave. This is an open letter. And uh, we're here for another podcast uh, tape. It's part two, actually. We're going to have our friend uh, Colin Everett. We're not going to. We actually do have Colin back on the show. So, Colin, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. Wearing his snazzy work uniform. Mm-hmm. Looks good on you. Thank you. You're welcome. We also have Chad here, as always. What's up? And if Chad wasn't here, we wouldn't be here because he has the keys to the to, building. To the building. And to my right, working on her exams, her finals, is Carol. Hello, everyone. Uh, so we appreciate you listening. As always, uh, we love your feedback. And if you can go check us out on our Facebook page, it's called An Open Letter with an ellipsis behind it. So check that out on Facebook. Please like our page. And if you like the podcast, please share it. We're working hard on getting a logo so that we can uh, get on iTunes as well because we want to just expand uh, our audience. So and you could also tell your friends, family, or even enemies about it. That would be great. Or frenemies. Or froze. Which is the better term? Frenemies or froze? I, I wouldn't go with froze. No. Nah, I like frenemies. Frenemies is not bad. I kind of like that term. I, th- I thought that was pretty clever. So we start the show off the same way every time. A little segment we like to call Off the Cuff. You got any music for us today, Chad? Off the Cuff music? No? It's coming. I'm impatient. I want the music now. Our listeners are... Oh, there it is. Okay, good. It's getting nervous there. All right. So we're going to narrow down off the cuff to one question today. If I could say something here real quick, because... Yeah, what you got? As we mentioned in the last episode, I I went through, I spent probably about 15, 20 minutes Mm -hmm. finding this music. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not talk about death. (laughs) Okay. No, we're not going to talk about death. We're not going to talk about death. We are going to talk about, I want you to think about this for a minute. We're going to talk about suffering. No. Um, We're going to talk about just a weird, odd moment in your life. Something you look back on and it's just, I don't know what was going on. Very strange. Just, you don't know how to explain what happened. So I'm going to start you off with a story that I have. So think about it. I know. They got this. Listeners, if you can see the looks on their faces, there's a look of consternation, confusion, and a little bit of fear. But I'm hoping my story will loosen it up a little bit and get you thinking. So I'm a teenager in uh, Grand Rapids working at an ice cream shop, and I'm riding my bike to the ice cream shop. So it was, it's a, it was a pretty good ride. It was about 20 minutes long or so. And I am riding my bike by a cemetery. Now, it's daytime, and I'm like 16 or 17 or whatever. I'm not freaked out or anything, whatever. But as I'm riding by the cemetery, I can hear someone singing in a very clear very good voice incredible voice and i'm like oh wow there must be a funeral going on or something and i'm looking around there's no one there's nobody there it's the cemetery over on prairie in um in granville oh i have a friend buried there yeah so i'm again though once again it goes back why do you why do you have to bring it to death I'm, who, I'm blaming you. You're the one who mentioned the cemetery. That's true, I did. Uh, so I'll take the blame. So anyway, I'm, dr- I'm riding my bike by the cemetery, and I'm hearing this incredible singing, this voice, 
and there is nobody I can see, but I can hear it very clearly, like it's not very far away. So someone somewhere in the cemetery apparently was singing. I just couldn't see him, and their voice was carrying incredibly well. Just a very odd experience. Just a strange, weird moment in my life. That's mine. Were you drunk? Hmm. <laughs> I And as you know this, I have never been drunk in my life. Oh, wow. It's a true story. So, a weird moment in my life. The one that comes to mind is when I was in France when I was 18 and I was on a train and as often happens on the public transportation in a major city, people come around looking for money. And This guy came up to me and asked for money and I, it was my first week in, in France and my French was not real great at the time. I just said no and I didn't know how to explain to him anything so I just sat there and looked at him as he berated me for being an imperialist American that was stingy and had a lot of money but wouldn't share blah 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 and this little tiny old lady came up and slapped him across the face and told him to leave me alone and he left me alone and I just thought that was really weird and I was very thankful did you learn any new words always so this guy berating you, you learned some new words in French because of the, the words he was using with you? Oh, yeah. Nicely done. That's a good story. I like that one. Um, Colin, Chad, you got something for me? Yeah. Colin. Um, it actually just popped in my head. <clears throat> but I was in uh, Los Angeles last May uh, with my school. And we were at, um, we, were, we went to the beach, Venice Beach, Venice Beach. Yeah, it was Venice Beach. We went to the beach and we had a good time. And then we were at a restaurant and sitting outside. And um, I had paid for my meal. The rest of the class, uh, my my classmates were inside the restaurant still. And there was a bouncer, uh, a big, big uh, black man who uh, um, approached me. He was working with the restaurant. And we had a brief interaction while we were eating. Yeah. Um, but this was afterwards. And he walks up to me and he goes, hey, you want your back cracked? What? And I go, excuse me? And he goes, do you want your back cracked? He's like, I can pick you up, crack your back. I used to do it to all the NFL players. Bottom of the top, I can crack your back. And he's like, you're scared? And I was like, are you? Yeah. Like, yeah, just, just a little bit. I mean, he was like, I mean, this was like a 6'4", just a massive guy. Yeah. And he just kept asking me. He's like, oh, are you scared? And he, and it was the weirdest. It was, And no, none of my school experienced it nobody was out there did you let him crack your back i did not no and to this day he has back pain <laughs> if you only would a the large yeah, right, boxer man right crack his back in it the would be middle fun. of the street in Venice <laughs> beach very very odd that's a good story i like that one chad it's on you you are the last to participate in off the cuff do you have a story for us have you seen any ufos no, I have never seen a UFO. I was sitting once in my dining room eating breakfast. Now, I always had this routine. Sit down, eat breakfast, get ready for work, and then go to work. And That's I, the worst and story I'm the ever. Only, oh, there's more. I'm, I'm the only person awake. And I always felt this strange presence in the same spot in the room. And I swear I could look right at it. Yeah. That's it. That's really? <laughs> so what do you, like, you felt like someone was there? Uh, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you couldn't see anything, but you just felt like 
like but there was some. There was a lady that lived there before us, and she passed away. Oh, what was her name? I have no clue. Let's call her Mabel, because I think Mabel is a good old lady name. <laughs> a dead old lady name? Yeah, Mabel's good, I think. Yeah, you'll get it. Okay, so, Mr. Colin, you're back on the show. Yes. We covered a lot of things last time. We talked about uh, depression, mm-hmm. your experience kind of discovering it. And today we're going to kind of tail on that a little bit. We're going to kind of bounce around a little bit tonight. Um, so, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about... Uh, how a lot of comedians have struggled with depression and Mm -hmm. you know it was kind of interesting because you know last year i'll say we lost robin williams yep and and of course we know that robin williams um struggled with depression and uh we know that a lot of comedians we know that you know i think i'm pretty sure that jim carrey struggles with depression and uh, what other any other comedians? I know there's a lot more, but who else? Um, I I know that Chris Farley did. Chris Farley also um, uh, he died due to something that was you know related to depression. I'm sure. Yeah. Because a lot of his reliance was on heroin and cocaine and prostitutes. Um, not a good mix. No. No, it ended up pretty badly for him. So who who are some of your favorite comedians? I used to be obsessed with Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Jerry Lewis was so big for my physical comedy and wanting to do physical comedy. Right. Um uh Kevin James is another really big influential oh, really? person. Oh, Kevin yeah. James all the way, yeah. Mall cop. Yes. Poplart. Um, we, uh, my family, my dad owns all nine seasons of King of Queens. Oh, yeah. Um, which I just grew up watching. And he is the guy that can just, the little subtle things that he does will make my family just crack up. And so in the sitcom that you and I were in last year, yeah. I channeled a lot of my Kevin James for that sitcom. I really tried to. Well, and it just goes to show you, and we'll talk about art and film a little bit later, but how much. Uh, I think it was a song by U2 and Bono's quoting somebody, but um, what is it? Every artist is a a thief. Every poet is a cannibal. Every artist is a thief. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, we're all copying. We're all influenced mm-hmm. by somebody. Mm-hmm. So my favorite of uh, um, Kevin James was the movie Hitch. Oh, oh yeah. My favorite scene, yeah. and I actually showed this. I got to preach uh, about a month or two ago, and I used a scene from Hitch. And the scene where he's dancing... <laughs> Yeah. And Will Smith's trying to teach him how to dance. And there's there's our uh, theme song for uh, for your show, King of Queens. Nicely done, Chad. But I really love the scene where he's like, he's like, oh, dancing. I've got that. I've got that all set. Yeah. And he's like doing his dance, and Will Smith's like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> My favorite line. He's like, oh, now I'm making the pizza. And he's like, you don't need to bring pizza. They'll have food. <laughs> Yes. This, this is where you live. You're just right here. You're just back and yeah, forth. I don't want to see none of this. The hands up in the air. <laughs> so anyway, great, great movie. So why Chris Farley, Kevin James? You know, Chris, I don't know. Kevin James, do you know if he struggles with depression at all? I actually don't. I'm not sure. Um, we'll have him on the show in a couple of weeks and we'll see. I read, an ar- I read an article recently. He is considered to be one of the most rudest celebrities to his fans. Kevin really? James. Kevin James. You know, it's interesting because in my profession, I I bump into people and I bump into a guy one time who was a pilot 
and he flew VIPs. He was a co-pilot, and it was the type of place where you could just rent a jet and then fly over. Um, I also met a guy who was a stand-in, the stand-in for Martin Lawrence, mm. and uh, and he was supposed to get me in Bad Boys 3, but he didn't. He, re- he disappeared. So anyway, the rudest celebrities, like, there's a couple of celebrities that you will not let you look at them. Bruce Willis, apparently, and J-Lo... They, when they're filming on set, they have when they're not when they're not acting, they go behind a screen so that people can't look at them because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And they said Martin Martin Lawrence is not a very nice guy, but Will Smith is one of the nicest guy you'll ever want to meet. Right, I'm very sure. cool. So, what is it about Kevin James, Chris Farley, Jerry Lewis? What are some of the common themes why these guys make you and your family laugh that you like about them? Yeah, I definitely get a lot of my sense of humor from my dad. Um, anything that can make my dad laugh uh, would m- make me laugh. And I don't know if that's just like a genetic thing or if it's just like years of observing him laughing at things, you know. And so I would try to incorporate that into my own because if I can make my dad laugh, if I can make my dad laugh, I could. I knew I, ha- I had it. Your dad's a big influence on your comedy and your sense of humor. But talk to me a little more about your dad. Yeah, my dad, um, anything that could make him laugh would just kind of be like, oh, so that makes my dad laugh, you know. And when I would move to when I moved to Brazil, I didn't really know the language. I uh, didn't really have any friends. I would practice. I would practice uh, physical comedy in my room, practice falling, and I would be watching Jerry Lewis. And, I mean, I still use physical comedy a ton to this day just to make friends, you know. It was because if I can make my dad laugh, I knew I had it. I knew that I could be funny. Right. Did you? Was your dad someone who was quick to laugh at all, or? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. He wasn't tough to make laugh. No. no okay. He, no. He's um. It's gotten a lot easier to make him laugh now that I'm more mature, more experienced, so I can make my dad laugh pretty, pretty uh, easily. Cool. I'd say. Carol, you you were actually looking and thinking of doing some actually uh, uh, some study on the whole idea of laughter and sense of humor, right? Yeah, I, I was doing some. I was looking into some graduate programs, and I came across one. I was looking into linguistics, and I came across one that was related, in that it was studying how language is used for humor and what that takes. And one of the things that it said on that. Um, in the description of the studies that they did in that program was that um, an essential ingredient was surprise. And I thought that really, that really explains mm-hmm. my sense of humor. I love mm-hmm. to be surprised by things, whether mm-hmm. it's the words or um, actions, but I like things that catch me off guard. Absolutely. Do you think there's any chance that sense of humor might be something that's inherited or there might be something genetic going on with that? If, if you look at families, I mean, each family, I think, has the same sense of humor within, you know, it's like a bunch of uh, uh, inside jokes with the family. And I know that mine is extremely, my sense of humor with my families is extremely specific. Nobody else fully has our sense of humor. But it would be hard to say whether that's nature or nurture because mm-hmm. you guys hung out together for years, so mm-hmm. it would normal that you would develop the same sense of humor but i i don't know if there have been studies on that but i do think that some people are are born definitely with more of a sense of humor than others i know Mm -hmm. our my one of my kids 
was only three months old when he started goofing around on the changing table and playing peekaboo of his own will. And it was kind of surprising to me hmm. how funny he thought he was. Well, it it's interesting because in my family too, like when I grew up, we laughed to some extent, but I think now that I've, you know, been married and had kids, we cultivated a culture with my kids where we laughed and made jokes all the time. And like my youngest son is in so into puns. He, he's 17 years old now, have him on the podcast probably sometime, loves puns, thinks they're really funny. And he would make all these jokes all through his life. And my oldest son, who's been on the show, um, is just like, you know, hey, you're not funny. That's not funny. <laughs> so he, But nothing would stop this kid. He would just keep on going and going and going. But I just think there's nothing better than being with close family and friends and just laughing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's some of the best memories. So do you have a memory of just like the, when's the last time you laughed really hard and, and you know, had tears coming down your eyes? We've, we've asked, actually asked that question on the show before, but with you, Colin, I actually listened to a, um, a podcast by a guy named Pete Holmes, who's a comedian, and he interviews other comedians because I'm fascinated by comedy and stand up and I mm-hmm. want to do stand up sometime. But that's a question he asks every episode. When's the last time you laughed till you cried on mm. his podcast? Mm. It's I think it's been a while. Probably, yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since I've laughed till I cried. Probably sometime with my uh, with my older brother. My older brother and I um, definitely get each other a lot more than anybody else, even in our family. You know, like we definitely our sense of humor just with my older brother and I rest of the family would get really annoyed <laughs> with us and they would be like can you guys stop doing that voice or stop doing that face but it would make us you know crack up so i would say probably august sometime yeah nice there's definitely a difference though between just laughter within a family and comedy mm-hmm. what would you say that difference is who are you asking either of you two funny men we're not including Chad into the funny man guy. Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. You're not funny. So I can be funny. Sorry, Chad. I can. I can be funny. Oh, I know. I know. I've known you for a long I, time, I can my be brother. Funny. Be funny now. <laughs> I am. Go. <laughs> yes. See you laugh. See. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, Colin, I'll let you answer that question first. What's the difference between family humor and actual comedy? Actual comedy is appealing to a ton of different senses of humor. I think. Especially when on stage performing it. I mean, you have every single person comes from a different family with a different sense of humor. So you kind of have to appeal to all of them. But when they all laugh, you know, I got, you know, the mass of this audience to laugh. So that means I'm appealing to a lot of different people right now. And laughter is affection, you know. I know that uh, sometimes if I'm mad at a sibling and they do something to make me laugh i don't want to laugh you know because i I don't feel like showing you affection right now or something and laughter is affection that's why i grew up loving striving off of the the idea of making people laugh because if you're laughing with me you're not laughing at me and i can't stand people laughing at things that i didn't intend them to laugh at and we're gonna we're gonna ripping actually your, ripping your pants. Or, we're gonna we're gonna cover that in a little bit. Actually, okay. we're gonna we're gonna go there because I think that's a really interesting uh, some things that are going on psychologically, not just with you, but yeah. kind of like how we are as humans. I'm curious here. I think we all we love to laugh. 
I think all of us here love to laugh and just, and I knew, but part of this podcast is we would, we would cover humor and we would, you know, and try to inject my own. I have a very goofy sense of humor. My good friend Jeff tells me that you have to, I just have an odd sense of humor. I, I don't have, I don't think Adam Sandler's funny. Nope. I don't think a lot of the common stuff, like I, uh, Office Space, a very popular movie, people <laughs> think is hilarious. I, I didn't, it didn't make me laugh. It's not wrong to laugh at it. It's just, I don't laugh easily. And what makes me laugh is a little bit kind of off the cuff type stuff. Yeah. To use the name of our game show. I think it's really interesting. Carol was touching on it a minute ago, the different types of comedy out there. And I think, and I'm, I'm just going to kind of speculate. I, I could be wrong on this because I haven't thought deeply about this. Let's see if you guys agree with me or not. It seems like people with higher IQs generally like to be, the comedy they enjoy is uh, like uh, plays on words, witty banter, like uh, surprises, like I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. Because I think people who are intelligent a lot of times see what's coming next. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's so obvious. Uh, Carol and I were in church the other day. And my, my senior pastor made a joke. The guy in front of us just just thought that was so funny, and I didn't laugh. It was humorous, but it was like kind of an obvious connection for me. I kind of knew he was going to make the connection, so when he said it, it was like the whole squirrel, you know, when you're, you're, mm-hmm. you see a squirrel and you're uh, distracted. The guy in front of me is just laughing. So I think there's this whole idea of being surprised, and then some people like you can just do that over and over and over again and just tell a squirrel joke and being distracted they're gonna laugh every time because it's almost like there's a comedy they find that that comfort humorous mm-hmm. it's like oh I'm, I'm I'm used to that what do you think about that mm-hmm. I think when it comes to sense of humor like that it's really interesting on what I do that makes people laugh and what makes me laugh because they're not they're two completely different senses of humor really interesting. What, what I do on stage or with people to make people laugh isn't like if if somebody else if there was another big guy on stage doing what I do right I would think knock it off that's mine that's <laughs> my, I wouldn't think it was funny at all I would actually be kind of kind of peed because that's not what makes me laugh I can see what you're doing you let know? me let me ask you then so when you're on stage and you're performing what are the things that generally get the biggest laughs laughs when you're doing improv you do improv right mm-hmm. so you're doing improv or you're on whatever and you you want to get a laugh what are your go-to's that you're almost always going to get people laughing at any type of physical humor facial expression with a funny voice that always gets people um, unexpected things you know I mean unexpected things could be anything with my body um with even just like a look or something um the old double take is always a good yeah yeah a good double take and mm-hmm. a spit take yeah it used, used to be a big thing back in the past but a spit take now is not usually expected yeah so. yeah that's true <laughs> so so the things that those are the things you go to your go-to laughs what are the things that make you laugh what makes me laugh i mean i put myself i think i put myself in that category of that what you were talking about about people with higher IQs. And I don't know, I wouldn't call myself a, a person with a high IQ, but I know comedy. Right, I know right. comedy very well. So especially when I'm watching a movie, I'm very I am a very critical person when it comes to comedy films. Um there are a lot of films that involve Adam Sandler or Will Ferrell or um other comedians or with the SNL troupe kind of that make my friends laugh, but whenever they're with me and they suggest that movie, I'm like, no, heck no. It's like comedy is kind of like a magic trick in a sense. 
because I know how to get that reaction. I know, just like with stand-up, they know the steps they have to take in order to get that reaction. So when other people are performing it, I'm like, I saw your magic trick already, dude. But I do have friends who make me laugh constantly, and that's because they bring a new thing that is unexpected to me. So why do you suppose so many comics are people that have had really difficult childhood or have struggled with depression? I would say I think it's because they wear their heart on their sleeves. They're exposed to everybody. They put themselves out there. Why? They put themselves out there because, I don't know, in a sense, it's a it's an extreme confidence because you wouldn't find many people falling down like Chris Farley. But at the same time, it's an extreme lack of confidence as well. I think more when dealing with intimate relationships, kind of. Controlling how much vulnerability there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were to see somebody on the street doing what Chris Farley does, right? I, I don't know. I feel like, because some people have it, some people don't. And why, when Chris Farley falls, is it funny when opposed to somebody else? I think... It has to do with, with that affection. I think that's interesting. Um, can I also want to get your opinion on the different, the, like what Colin just commented on a minute ago, too, about the whole idea of IQ determining what you think is funny. And, Chad, you can chime in on that, too. Do you think there's any validity to that? Um, or do you think it has more to do, like Carol was saying earlier, kind of the nurture thing? It kind of more depends on how you're brought up. I just kind of want to get your guys' thought on that. I would say it has a lot to do with how a person's brought up. Take, for example, a pun might not be funny to a poorer family, um, but a, a fart might. A fart will make them laugh, crack up laughing. But somebody who's more intelligent might think that's kind of disgusting. I think they're both funny. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, do you have a thought on that? I have no response to that. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know how to follow up on his. No, I, d I think that a, a large part of it is family, but there are things that I find funny that neither of my parents are amused by and vice versa. And I, I think maybe it's just because of the way I am, but I really feel like the, the surprise element is plays into that. And I think you're right. I think that the more you know, the less surprises you highly educated people don't seem to be as amused by as many things i don't know i think that's just a theory i think that our um it's not just our family but also our circle of friends sure our schools our classmates because as you as you kind of alluded to you didn't think some things that your parents thought were funny was funny and vice versa well your friends at school may have cracked up at what you're saying, but because I think that you're around your friends, you develop your sense of humor also based on them, and your parents have no clue. Well, so. as you start to branch off from your parents anyway, I think it's interesting, but comedy and sense of humor, I think, is something that's learned, and it's always learned, almost always learned originally with family. And especially if you, like Colin, sounds like you, with a family that likes to laugh a lot, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of value to making people laugh because you've already been taught that humor has value. And now if you can create laughter, 
Now that raises your stock and it raises your worth to some extent. Mm-hmm. And comedy is a rhythm. Comedy oh, is a rhythm that is played very well by people and also not by a lot of people. Because there are some people that I know who make videos just like I do, and their videos are, you know, in my opinion, kind of a, a poor attempt. It's like watching them on screen. It's <laughs> yeah. like you don't have a natural charisma and ability to be funny, in my opinion. It's it's very, um, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, but for some people it just comes naturally. Well, and I was going to ask this, too, because it, it, to comment on what you're saying about rhythm is very true. We all know if you watch comedians, watch sitcoms, comedy movies, timing, comedic timing is just, you can't teach that. It's something you feel. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask, a, this is for everybody, I want to ask this question. Who were some of the people growing up you thought were the funniest? You, we know your comedic influence, Jerry Lewis, Chris Farley, uh, Kevin James. Mm-hmm. Are there any other ones? So two-part question, who are your comedic influences? Well, we'll start with that one. Who's influenced you? And who do you think has the best comic timing, if you can answer that? So it's kind of a two-part question there. You know, one thing that I find is interesting is uh, when I watch Chris Farley uh, perform on SNL, I actually don't really find him like strikingly funny when I'm watching him because not not much of what he does catches me off guard. But I love him. I admire him so much for his reason for doing comedy or his reasons for, you know, like like it explains in his book, The Chris Farley Show, how they explain him when he was five trying to get attention from his parents is exactly what I used to do. And it, and it was a natural, it was a natural thing deep inside me and Chris to, to get that affection from your parents. Yeah, it was just you know? innate. It wasn't something yeah. like, hey, I'm going to decide to do this. Yeah. Something from a very young age. Chad, who are some of the people you grew up thinking, wow, these guys, who do you think shaped your sense of humor? Who do I think, like, celebrity-wise? Yeah, more celebrity-wise. We know that, you know, family definitely does. We kind of talked about that. But, like, for you, who did that for you? Eddie Murphy. All right. Eddie Murphy. You did yeah, the stand-up. Williams. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's kind of curious because the thing is interesting because I think you can actually learn about people based on what you think is funny and who and who you think is funny. Mm-hmm. Well, there's George Carlin, too. Yep. He, he had a political, savvy sense of humor. Absolutely. Plus, he took things that are just kind of obvious and just made it funny. Like, have you ever heard of his routine where he talks about baseball and football? He compares the two. That is hilarious. Yes, I've heard that. I would have thought he's too liberal for you, Chad. Oh, he's way too liberal, but he's funny. See, that's the thing about Chad is, you know, he comes across and probably a little bit on the show and, and you meet him, he comes and on Facebook, like he's kind of more right wing conservative, but Chad is a guy and it's not like right wing is bad, you know, or good and left wing is always good or bad. I'm not trying to put labels, but in this area, West Michigan, very conservative and sometimes Chad can come across as the run of the mill conservative guy, but he Fair actually, enough. he's yeah. really not. That's why sometimes it's interesting to watch Carol and Chad shoot each other looks here in the studio when we're talking. So, Carol. I never shoot a look at her. She shoots looks at me. Uh-huh. I know how you shoot looks. You're just more subtle she, about if, it. If, if, I'm telling you, if my, my face was a target and her eyes were darts, <laughs> I mean, I'd have holes and all this, over And me. this is where we're going into humor land a little bit. <laughs> I'm like. 
Yeah. So, Carol, your your comment on that question. Well, considering that I was protected from TV and movie until I was about 20, it's really hard to say. Rosie O'Donnell. <clears throat> oh, no. Um, <laughs> I think that the earliest memories of seeing funny stuff was Monty Python. Mm-hmm. And that kind of humor still gets me every time. You know, which is interesting because to talk about the whole uh, IQ thing, that's very, very silly humor. Mm-hmm. It is, but it's clever. It takes understanding of history and politics and things like that in order to appreciate the layers of it. Uh, some of it, yes. Yeah, some of it's just very, very silly, hence the dead parrot <laughs> sketch. He's dead! <laughs> so what do you think about silly humor, Colin? Do you, do you like silly humor? If it's done right. I can definitely, like on my Instagram page, I use very, very silly humor to appeal to, to people. Instead of just doing, you know, a dub smash with uh, um, trying to lip sync, I put a lot of character behind what I'm doing and I make it very silly with facial expressions and stuff. And I think if it's, if yeah, if it's done well, it can be extremely funny. Could you explain a little bit what dub smash means? Dub Smash is an app that you can get on your phone, and it's like a little second, seven second video or audio clip that you can lip sync to. And oh, yeah, for the oldsters like us, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. What's a dub? Somebody stepped on your dub. I don't know. Anyway, so my go ahead, Carol. It's Dub Smash, not Dub Step, dear. Yeah, but Dub Step's a thing too. <laughs> but it's not funny. No, it's not. But anyway. My comedic uh, influences growing up was very much the, I think, one of the main people who honed my sense of humor was David Letterman. Oh, wow. I grew up in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 80s, and I watched a lot of Letterman, and so I I copied mannerisms from him. So my two main comedic influences are David Letterman watching, you know, his show, and then also um, Alan Alda, his character, Hawkeye Pierce on MASH. Absolutely. Those two, if you know me and you kind of were to, this would be the most boring study in the world, but if you studied me, you could you'd very easily see that those were big inspirations for me. Along with the Jim Gaffigan voice. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan, yes. Jim Gaffigan, who I've seen live, I've seen him perform live twice, which was great. Brian Regan, also a great comedian. Interesting thing for me is this whole idea of these comedians that live in this are birthed out of the, these homes where there is this value to laughing and to comedy, and yet we also hear these tragic upbringings too. So there's this strange marriage, if you will, and that's and so there's this whole dichotomy going on of you know these people coming out of these really wrecked homes, but laughter was so valuable, mm-hmm. and then you have these comedians who understand the value and the importance of laughter and yet they're so depressed and struggling with this dark side of themselves Mm -hmm. could you just talk to that a little bit speak to that yeah i think um since laughter is affection that's the thing we want most is that laughter and that affection and when we don't get that uh, especially being a creative person where i'm led by emotions uh, rather than logic not getting that affection even in my circle of friends who I know and trust and love, if I make a joke and it bombs, that is detrimental to me. And it will ruin my day. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, 
I've been there. But then some people go with that movie, The Naked Gun or Airplane, Mm -hmm. and you just rapid-fire jokes so much, you just figure one of them is going to hit eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that people who are funny people feel feel things on a on a deeper level that's kind of the sense that i'm getting as i've or certainly a a different level yeah maybe deeper mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that some people might not really understand are you saying that funny people are sensitive extremely i know that i'm i'm an extremely sensitive person i work uh and i i've i will have again i another person we'll have on the show eventually is one of my coworkers. Her name's Sonia. And Sonia likes to tease me. She says, I have the emotions of a schoolgirl. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, and I know I'm sensitive and I, I've had to come and just accept that. Uh, that's just part of who I am, mm-hmm. but I can't coddle that all the time, but I have to realize I am a sensitive guy. There are things that are going to hurt my feelings that other people don't seem to care about. Yeah. And I think that this, you know, what I've dealt with, is on such a massive, massive scale when it comes to somebody like Chris Farley or Robin Williams. And I think that maybe, I don't know what Robin Williams experienced in the last few weeks, few days of his, you know, of his life. I'm not sure what he experienced. I'm not sure why that happened. But something obviously did. Something, his fame, his money, his recognition was obviously not enough for him. Right. There was a lack there. And we think, you know, I know that with uh, Robin Williams, they, I mean, he had been just diagnosed with Parkinson's, I believe, too. Yeah. Um, not too much and earlier that had a lot that. to do with that. Mm-hmm. We think. I mean, it's tough to know. I thought that his wife came out and said that it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. She Afterwards, she said that she felt that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Colin, let me ask you. Do you feel loved? Yeah. So by your family, do you feel loved? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you get the love and attention that you need on a day-to-day basis? On a day-to-day basis, maybe not. But even if I do, I might still be very selfish and want more, 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 you know? Especially when I'm in a group of friends where I'm with three other funny people. <laughs> I, If I'm not on my game... I get really depressed around those people because I'm like, you guys can carry on without me. I'm just going to go home. I'm unnecessary you know? because what I ha- what I bring that gives me worth, you're doing better than I am mm-hmm. right now. Or mm-hmm. that's what the audience, if you will, yeah. is is telling us all. I have to be the funny person in the group. So how do you combat that? You're you're in this situation. You're with these people, and someone else is just making everybody laugh and it's not your night because everything you're saying everyone kind of goes that's great colin hey chad what do you got you know i mean how do you combat that i don't know i just kind of have to deal with that well what do you do in those circumstances now then how do you react now (laughs) 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 i think that and I, i i definitely understand that because uh, as a good friend of mine says, when he things don't go his way, he just he'll take his marbles and go home. Yeah, and uh, I very much resonate with that as well. Things don't go my well, well then you mm-hmm. know, forget you. I'll mm-hmm. just take off, and yeah. you guys, I'll spite you. I'll hurt you with my my lack of uh, presence, which you know you think about it, so it's really arrogant. So, as someone who's growing up funny, and you consider yourself a funny guy, yeah. 
I've I've always no matter where I've been, I've always been able to get on people's good side when it comes to laughter. One thing I think is interesting is we have this whole again the whole sadness and laughter thing happening. You mentioned this earlier is that you don't want people to laugh at you. Mm-hmm. You want people to laugh with you. Yeah. Why is it important that people don't laugh at you? Because then it switched from affection to. I don't know. It's 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 switched from affection to more an aggressive. To me, that's what it feels like. Does it feel like disdain? Does it feel like rejection? Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, okay, so this is going to be the story that these people have, um, that these people have, that they talk about. You know, remember when Colin did this, you know, and it's just, it. that's what my brain instantly goes to. It goes to very self-deprecating, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. So you have this innate craving and need for attention Mm -hmm. what do you think that's about why do you think that's there to the extent that it is present in you i don't know that i know the full answer to that yet i'm still trying to figure that out i guess do you really think that that's a different need from what we all feel that desire to be loved and connected and to belong do you think that it's a, a different need or do you think it's just a different expression of that need Oh, that's a that's a good word. I think it might be a different expression. Other people who aren't funny, and they might know that they're not funny, they don't put themselves out there. They don't go the extra mile. They don't do a big emotion or do a big fall or do something to get the laugh because they know I'm not going to receive, you know, that's not how I'm going to get that affection. That would be me. Really? Okay. I'm not funny. Well, you can be funny. You're just not someone who is going to go out there and try to put yourself out there to be really funny. That's not something that you do to get value and get attention because we all do have that and we all need that. I think that that's part of the process of growing up, of discovering who we are and what we're valued for. And once you find something that you can be valued for, that's what you go for. Absolutely, and we all and that helps shape our identity because we all need to feel like we have worth. Yeah. It had to have been hard for you moving as much as you did and now being as far away from your family as, as you are now. How scared were you moving to this Grand Rapids area? To the Grand Rapids area, I was extremely Or more, excited. I wouldn't say that maybe not the Grand Rapids area, but how mm-hmm. was, how, was it hard for you to be moving that far away from family? That far away from family? Yeah, um, well, that distance. It was pretty hard. I remember it being pretty hard. It was, it's April now, so two years ago that I moved out of the house. Yeah, that was pretty hard. But also, I mean, it's, it's extremely exciting because no matter how many times I've left Oregon or left Brazil, I always, like, it's such a deep, you know, tear for me taking those roots out of out of Brazil or out of Oregon but I get to go to this new place and meet these new people who don't know who I am. Right. And I get to start from scratch and build my reputation in this place. Absolutely. Just like when I showed up in Grand Rapids and went to college. On the orientation day, I did something where I stood up in front of uh, everybody and sang a song, sang just like a lyric of a song. It was purely to be funny. It was to show, hey, I'm here. Come talk to me. <laughs> it's to break the ice so that in that intimate situation, I don't have to be the one to go up 
and start that conversation, introduce myself, because people do that to me. So you started the conversation just with the entire student body at once Absolutely. rather than one at a time. Teachers and students, because it's a, it's a big thing to make you laugh so that you can come talk to me. Because that made you feel safe. Absolutely. The interesting thing about this, Colin, is the whole idea of power and what you're using and what we use comedy for and what the different tools we use to get affection and get the acceptance that we yeah. all, all really want. Because there isn't another single student on that orientation day who would have done that. And that's, a, and you that's an that. extreme level of confidence to stand in front of the whole. It, it's an extreme level of confidence and it's an extreme level of need as well. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a big move towards self-protection. Yes. Yeah, and it's interesting how intertwined all this stuff gets as we're talking to two. One last thing I wanted to bring up to you is this, is you talked about, and I want you to talk about the story about your dad or a time when your family laughed at you that was hurtful. Mm-hmm. And, and if you could tell that story and how that made you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was uh, 12 or 13, I was in Brazil, and uh, I was coming down the <laughs> I was coming down these stairs. My family's going to be listening to the podcast. Of course, hi family. Um, yeah, hi dad. They're gonna. <laughs> I, I came down the stairs and they're uh, turning. It was like a not a spiral, but it just had a curve. The stairs had a curve, and in the middle of the curve, there's this little step that was a little bit smaller, and I just my foot hit that. And teeter tottered on the end, and I just went falling, went stumbling down the stairs, fell into the into the dryer that was in end of the stairs. Uh, my glasses flew off, and then my dad and my older brother helped me up, asked me if I was okay, um, and they were clearly holding in their laughs. And then when I started crying, and then I think once I left the room to go, you know, um, uh, recover, uh, there was some laughter. <laughs> How did you feel that moment? I just humbled, humiliated. Were you angry? Were you upset? Probably. You I hurt? was probably really angry. So yeah. so that was a, a physical humor type of thing. Now, if you would have done mm-hmm. that on purpose, yeah. and they would have laughed. Different story. Yeah. Different story. But there's that risk or there is that a feeling of, in this laughter, there's not love, acceptance, and warmth. There's ridicule and possible rejection. Is that right? Yeah. Because I think it's really interesting that one of your chief go-tos is the same thing that caused you a lot of pain. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts or comments on that, again, that dichotomy between the two? See how you you were helpless. You didn't mean to fall down the stairs. You didn't mean to hit your head. Now you're getting laughs. And But if I would have done it on purpose, now it's okay because I did it on purpose. Yeah. What do you think of that? <laughs> and that is a good question. I don't. I think comedy is about intention, um, especially when, you know, ridiculing somebody. Because if they don't laugh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel horrible for having made that joke about them. Right. You know, it's about intention. Yeah, so I've, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that plenty of times. When purposefully falling down the stairs, your intention is to totally shock, awe, and get the laugh. Yeah, whatever it takes, right? If I had fallen down the stairs on purpose and nobody laughed, I'd be like, oh. Which one would have been more painful? Um, falling down the stairs unintentionally and getting people to, and people laughing at you or doing it on purpose and not having anyone laugh. Which would have been worse? They would have both been very detrimental for me. Both of them. 
Well, unfortunately, we are running out of time here. We did oh, not. Man. I know we didn't even get to some of the things we wanted to talk about, but I we know. do try to keep these podcasts um, all right around an hour mark. We'll we'll definitely have to have Colin back on the show. But as we've kind of talked uh, again a little bit about depression and comedy and humor and how we use different things to get the attention and the affection and the love we all really want and need. I just want last closing thoughts and then I'll just, I'll, I'll probably have something to say cause I always do just whoever, what final thoughts have you got to say to the, our uh, listeners? I think that people who also consider themselves funny, they need to know how funny they actually are and how funny people think of them. Um, because you experience a lot of joy, you know, that's so much joy laugh, being able to laugh with somebody. And I mean, laughter is the best medicine. It, yeah. What your body is doing when you're laughing is so desired. It's a desired drug for people. Um, and you know, I'm bummed when it's over. You know, because it's a momentary ecstasy of joy. And I think that people who consider themselves funny, but also might just uh, struggle with this depression or something, and thinking, "Oh, my friends, I'm second rate to my friends," or whatever. I think they should know that their friends, you know, what their friends think of them. And whether that be by words of affirmation from their friends or, I don't know. Because I definitely am a person who needs words of affirmation. That is, you know, more than gifts to me. That is uh, very important to get that uh, affection, you know. Whether it's just a laugh, because that can be a word of affection or a word of affirmation to me. Just a laugh at what you said was funny or... Whether it's um, somebody actually saying, hey, Colin, you are an awesome dude, you know, or writing a letter or something. So let me ask you a real quick question then. Would you rather have someone make you laugh really hard and you're laughing until you're crying? Or would you get? Would you rather make someone laugh like that? What gives you greater joy? Anytime that I am able to make somebody else laugh and they laugh really hard, I'm instantly laughing that hard with them. So it, it's know. kind of a cascade type of effect. Yeah. So both at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think one of the things I, I've come away with, and Colin, I, I really appreciate you coming back on the show again. Uh, I know it's kind of a drive for you. And uh, so I really appreciate your time. I think no. it's awesome. Absolutely. But I think one of the key things to talk to you, all of you who are listening is that you have very basic needs. You have wants, you have desires, and it's okay. And your, your gifting may not be in making people laugh. Uh, it may be coming through with acts of service and taking care of people. Uh, it may be saying the right words at the right time to lift people up. But you need that back, too. And there's ways that you need affection and love and acceptance. And you might be feeling a lot of rejection. But you need to surround yourself with people who are going to shower you with what you need. And I guess the main thing is it's okay to have the need. It's okay to want it, and it's just just be careful that you're not getting it in unhealthy ways, because you're going if you try to shame those needs and you try to shove them down, they're just going to leak out in inappropriate ways. So we have to be really careful about how we go about looking for love and acceptance and uh, just that we all need on a day to day basis. So that this is an open letter. I appreciate everyone who's listening out there. Again, we want to hear your feedback. Uh, please contact us on our Facebook page, An Open Letter. Uh, we'll be on iTunes very soon, I hope. And Or you can go to uh, email us. It's called it's at anopenletter2u at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening and have a great day.